Matthew's going to bring us reflections on that passage, and let's pray for him before he speaks to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus gave pictures which would help us understand the depth of your love for us. And so we pray for Matthew this morning as he brings us his reflections on this passage and helps us to understand that picture of the shepherd and what it means to be the good shepherd of the flock. Please give him the words that you want him to speak. Please open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say to us today through your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, good morning, everyone. <coughs> it's great to be here with you and sharing with you this morning. Um, can I add my welcome to that of Linda's? I know there are a few new families in church this morning, and you're very welcome to be here. We hope you stay for tea and coffee afterwards and, uh, and share that with us. Um, you know, we, we try and be a church where you don't have to come with all the answers, but you can come and ask questions. Um, and so you're very welcome to be here this morning, wherever you are um, in your journey of faith or, or not at all, uh, we welcome you. Do you know, Sarah and I went to, to buy a house um, a few years back and, um, because we, we wanted to have something to live in, um, in retirement. Um, because the great thing about being a cleric is that you, um, you get accommodation for the whole time you're a clergy person, but then as soon as you stop... <laughs> Um, then you've got a problem, and it's too late to get a mortgage at that age. So, so we thought we, 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 we'd start to try and get on the property ladder. So we, we went and we looked at a couple of different house types, because um, we were looking for a new house. Um, and, and we narrowed it down to two, I think, in the end. And we went down to another development to see the show homes, because you know, the land was just soil at this stage. Um, and we went into one house type, and we just knew instinctively that it wasn't for us, that we just didn't like it. Um, and we went into the other, and certainly I felt, um, and you can ask Sarah afterwards, but I certainly felt that, that I, I really liked that, that, that layout, and it worked, and, 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 I really, and that's the sort of house that we went on to buy. But you know, um, Kirsty Orsop, and, and I've forgotten Phil's surname, but if you watch Location... Spencer, thank you, very good, there's your starter for 10. Um, if you watch Location, Location, Location or relocation, 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 they'll often tell you that, you know, your mind is made up in a matter of minutes or seconds when you go into a property. And it's not just houses, is it? Because we do it with people as well. When we first encounter someone, you know, be it their appearance or their body language or how expressive they are or the tone of their voice, you know, we come to this almost immediate um, sometimes subconscious, sometimes conscious, um, impression of that person. And those first impressions last. Um, sometimes we can change them. Sometimes we initially don't like someone or we, we take against them, but over time we, we get to know them and we realize that our first impressions were wrong um, or the people themselves might change. But, but that first impression can often last and it affects the way we relate to people, um, what we initially think of them. So here's a big question for you. I kind of freaked out the 9.30 congregation by doing this, so I hope I'm not going to scare you too much. But what I'd like you to do is for 60 seconds in pairs with the person next to you and be conscious if you're sitting a few chairs away from someone, just, just for 60 seconds, Buzz, how do you see Jesus? If I said, Jesus, what do you think in your mind? Off you go.
Well, I, I hope you've had some fascinating discussions, and I hope your, your discussions will actually continue over coffee um, later. Um, I hope they don't continue over the rest of my talk, but, you know. <laughs> um, but I hope you take that away with you. Sometimes it's a visual image. Sometimes it's a sense, a feeling, an emotion. Um, sometimes it's a word that comes um, into your mind. Um, but I, I'd be fascinated to know uh, what you came up with. We're familiar, aren't we, with stories of rescue and return in the scriptures. I deprived you of this image a few months ago when I clicked too fast. But this is Rembrandt's recalling of the parable of the prodigal son, quite a famous painting and quite a powerful one of the embrace of the father for a son who has gone away, lived a broken life, but still had, I suppose, the courage to return and throw himself at his father's feet and say, you know, I've done wrong, but the father opens his arms widely to welcome him back. You can't see that very well at the moment, but I'm sure you're aware of the picture. But that image gives us um, a sense of who Jesus is and what he's like. Um, And we have these images throughout the scriptures. Um, In Psalm 23, we have the beautiful imagery of God as our shepherd, of the Lord being our shepherd, who supplies all our needs. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus is shown having compassion on the crowds because they were like sheep without a shepherd and were harassed and helpless and lost as a result. The prophet Jeremiah, if we hop back into the Old Testament, um, said of Israel and Judah, My people have become like lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have made them turn aside on the mountains. They have gone along from mountain to hill and have forgotten their resting place. And Jeremiah isn't the only Old Testament prophet to speak about shepherds and sheep. In chapter 34 of Ezekiel, we see um, the leaders of Israel um, criticized for not exercising care of their people. You see, the expectation is that leaders will care for their flocks. And if they don't, Ezekiel tells us that God will intervene because the situation wouldn't have been acceptable. Ezekiel reminds us that when our own compassion in leadership is lacking, we have an example of the model leader in Jesus Christ. So often in the shepherd and sheep imagery, the Bible talks about sheep that wander away or the shepherds that don't exercise care in the first place. But this morning in John chapter 10, we, what we have is somewhat darker. Here in these verses, we have the threat to sheep already in the sheepfold. This passage is is somewhat packed with metaphors. It falls into two halves. Uh, We find metaphors in the first half and then Jesus unpacking them in the second. So let's explore the metaphors a bit and then we'll come to explore together what it means for us. The first thing to note here is that this imagery of shepherds and sheep flows out from the Old Testament. It is used because it is a picture that John's audience and readers would already have been familiar with from their daily lives. Um, It would have been a familiar sight um, in the arid, stony, rough terrain of Israel and Palestine for people to witness shepherds leading their flocks of sheep from one place of pasture to another. The shepherds would herd their sheep for many years. 
and through caring for them, feeding them, protecting them from danger, um, they built up a relationship with those whom they were, they were caring for. And in our time, unless you live in a particularly rural community, you perhaps might not have had the experience of seeing sheep being herded regularly by, by a farmer or by a shepherd. Um, but if you have lived in a very rural community where there's a lot of sheep farming, um, you might well have seen that. But even if you've never had that experience of seeing that, and that's just not part of of your conscious mind, you will be aware that language pervades from the Bible right through to our current time. And so, you know, we talk in church circles about leaders being shepherds and congregations being flocked. But pastoral language also flows into the helping professions, nursing, medicine, um, policing, um, you know, teaching, and all the other professions where, where people help to look after and exercise that care and compassion and protection um, that we've been talking about so far. So metaphors that begin in the pages of scripture have over thousands of years sustained their life and become a part of our current language, even if we can't connect the dots back to the Bible where they came from. It's quite a powerful way, isn't it, when you actually think about it, that the Bible is still there, subconsciously working in our culture, even if people aren't aware of the roots of the language they're using. So back to our passage. The sheep are in the sheepfold. And as you'll see on the picture behind me, um, the sheepfold would have been a walled courtyard or a cave or some other form of natural enclosure that was used by several families to keep their sheep, especially at night time. Now, as much as we can know this from the sources available to us, we believe that there would have been either someone hired or even the shepherd himself to stand in the gateway or the doorway, depending on which translation you use, into that sheepfold in order to both keep the sheep safely inside, but also to deter anyone who would rob the sheep or do them harm. So the person who doesn't enter the sheepfold through that normal entry point, but tries to enter another way, is up to no good. Verse 1 describes such a person as a thief and a robber. Verse 2 tells us that the one who enters the door or gate is the shepherd of the sheep, because it would either have been the shepherd in the gateway in the first place, or a person appointed by the shepherd entering. The sheep are known by the shepherd, and the shepherd, and more particularly his voice, is known by their sheep. And so their relationship, uh, and so their relationship is one of closeness, uh, and uh, and in in that sense, friendship. Um, And the sheep will listen to the shepherd, and will follow him wherever he leads them. Now here's the thing. The sheep know the shepherd and they follow him because of the trust, care and protection the shepherd has shown the sheep over a number of years. The shepherd exercises a role, but the sheep follow because of the way that role is lived out in looking after the sheep. I'm getting exhausted of saying shepherds and sheep now. (laughs) It's too many S's and I've done this twice now. I said at the be- I, I, I was going to say at the beginning um, of this ser- of this service, um, but but I'm not leading, so I'm speaking. So I'll say it now um, that actually, you know, relationship 
and the outworking of relationship is so important. This marriage of role and character um, is vital um, if we're to have an impact on people's lives. So we have the space, which is the sheepfold, and we have our characters, the shepherd, the sheep, and the thief, and the robber. Um, And actually, just to go off on a tangent for a brief moment, the middle picture is of an Israelite shepherd um, who was featured in a BBC News item in 2009. The United Nations became aware that the lives of shepherds um, in certain areas, particularly in this region, in Israel and Palestine, was becoming ever more difficult because of restrictions on movements. And so the person you see there, um, the article didn't give his name, uh, was a real-life shepherd who was having his livelihood um, challenged. In verse 7, we read, there, we read that Jesus says to us, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. So Jesus is both the gate through which people come to God and the shepherd who leads us there in the first place. Jesus is the voice which the sheep listen to and they won't listen to other voices. And do you know what, my friends? There is a powerful lesson for us in this passage and it's to do with messages and lifestyles and people you let influence your lives. Now, I can't begin to count the number of competing voices and influences that there are in our minds calling for our attention, calling for us to give them a place of significance in our lives. But some of them will certainly be to do with money or wealth, power and materialism, the culture of my truth is the truth, and so many more um, that you'll need to talk amongst yourselves later to identify them. But here's what I can tell you, that without Jesus being the focus of our lives, all these other influences will lead to destruction and unhappiness. Speaking elsewhere in the Gospels of the love of money, to take one example, we are told, aren't we, that we cannot serve two masters. We can't serve the love of money and we can't serve God at the same time. There is a choice to be made. And because the destruction of, of placing these influences before God comes in the outworking of them in our lives, when we submit ourselves to influences other than God, um, we, we begin to feel distant from God because his place is not one of being foremost in our lives. And we allow people then, when we submit ourselves to other people or influences, to sow messages into our lives um, that give destructive messages. So unless you conform, you are not acceptable. Unless you have this, whatever this might be, you are not worth as much. And those messages are often the cause of so much healing that, that is needed in people's lives, and that takes time. The leaders of Israel... Also, I wanted to tell you another story, because during the break between services... This was great. This, this is, I think Ian's gone home now, but if he hasn't, Ian told me a story in his usual wise way. He told me that you've had a shepherd speak to you before. Um, now, I don't know those of you who've been here a while. This was apparently when you were in the ark, um, and a shepherd came... You know, Ian doesn't make stuff up... <laughs> 
Uh, thank God. <laughs> I, I trust what Ian says. So I, uh, this is why I'm sharing it. Um, but apparently had a shepherd come to speak to you in the ark. And, and he was sharing a story of, of a night when he was tending his sheep. Um, and there was a blizzard. And in the morning, the sheep were nowhere to be seen. Uh, and this shepherd went out and called them. And as he spoke, using his voice, the sheep started popping their heads up from this wide area of land. It's just a beautiful illustration of what we're talking about here this morning. The leaders of Israel were leaders, you see, in role and name, but not in embodying the characteristics of a good leader. And so they didn't live out care, compassion and protection for their people. And then when their time came calling, people wouldn't follow because their lives and leadership were not authentic or attractive. Jesus comes as the shepherd who has nurtured his sheep. He comes to tend us, to care for us, and to protect our lives. Jesus was the shepherd who tended his disciples in all weathers and seasons, providing them with the necessary things in life and protecting them from danger. This is an authentic revelation of the Father heart of God for his people. And the result? The sheep recognize Jesus' voice and follow him. You know, if we proclaim Jesus with our lips, but fail to embody and reveal him through our lives, people won't respond because they'll see the lack of integrity, just as the people of Israel saw in their leaders. And sometimes, I hate to say this, but it probably needs to be said sometimes, actually, not only will people not respond if people don't see us embodying the fruits of the Spirit and the life of God in our lives, but sometimes that actually puts them off and their journey towards faith becomes that much further away because of what they see. Authentic life that nurtures, cares for people and communities is a fundamentally attractive thing. And we find that life in Jesus Christ. So our task as a church community as ever is to reveal that authentic life to those around us and to be the people who are tuned into God's voice and will follow his calling. Should we just pause briefly to pray? Father, there are so many voices clamoring for our attention. There are so many expectations that people and situations and tasks place on us. But here this morning, we seek to be your people, your sheep, knowing that you are the good shepherd, our Lord, who desires nothing but the best for us and pours out compassion and care upon us. So we pray, Father, that you would help us tune in to the voice of your Son, leading us into the pastures that he would. Amen.